What do young people worship today? What do they believe? What do they hang on to? What do they hope for? I can't speak uh, for young people, but um, probably uh, a guess would be the same things they've always uh, celebrated, just kind of a, a joy of existence, uh, self-discovery, uh, freedom, that kind of thing. Well, there's always been a generation gap in every age, but the gap now seems to be much more of a definite cleavage. The young people today seem to feel and think differently. What do you think has brought this about? <clears throat> well, possibly it, it could have a, a strictly sociological basis. It could be uh, the, uh, the gener so-called generation gap could be a result of just larger numbers of young people. Uh, I think it happened after World War II. Uh, I think it's something like uh, over half the population in the United States now is uh, under 18 years of age, something like that. Politically and philosophically, the young people now seem to feel very definite ideas about the establishment, mm -hmm. old systems of governing people, and, and moral attitudes. Yeah. When I was in high school and college, uh, the kind of protest that's going on now was totally unheard of. Uh, at that time, uh, to be a teenager, to be young, was... Uh, really nothing it was kind of a limbo state and I think it's amazing just in, in the last five years what's happened is uh, young people have come increasingly aware of the power and the influence that they have as a group good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus film podcast 50 years ago on July 3rd 1971 James Douglas Morrison was found dead in his Paris apartment in the bathtub. All other details have always been mysterious. Did he die of a heart attack? Nothing was really said. He is buried in Paris. In fact, to this day, his grave... Uh, there have been points where he's almost been evicted because people have written things, spray painted. His his grave is one of those stops that you go to in Europe. You know, you go and see the Eiffel Tower and you go to the Louvre uh, to see the uh, Mona Lisa. And then you go to the grave of Jim Morrison. Why? Because Jim Morrison was totally aware from the time he was born to the time he died in 1971 at the young age of 27 years old. We think of that now, you know, and the sad thing is so many have died at the age of 27. Of most recent in 2011, Amy Winehouse. <laughs> and I thought today, let's just celebrate. I, I, I was listening to The Doors and I've always been a big fan of The Doors our parents play for us the Beatles, the Stones, the Monkeys. I remember the Monkeys. But I remember being a teenager and 
that was the moment I became aware when I first heard the doors and I related to it and I related to Jim Morrison's words and his voice and it always makes me laugh when certain singers who were remain nameless talk shit about his voice oh they should have found a better singer you know what I say to that fuck you you're just a hater and that he wasn't a poet oh he was a poet baby you heard Texas and big radio and the big beat come on Riders on the Storm, the Hyathen House, Hyathen House, <laughs> and then the man's voice. My God, he, that was a rock voice. Nobody else is going to say, all the children are insane, waiting for the summer rain. That uh, Ray Manzarek said it best. That's the way to describe the love generation. Lost in a Roman wilderness of pain and all the children are insane. Hello. Because they were not of flower power, the the doors. They were something darker. Here's a little bit of Jim doing what he did best. Oh, we can't because it's the music. And see, I thought we could play a little bit of the vocal. I love how they do that. You know, they do the isolated vocals. Now, the song that really stirred people was the end. And they actually had to edit it because back then you couldn't say fuck on a record on vinyl on the radio. And they got kicked out of a couple of clubs trying to do the end because it was the Oedipus Complex. And how interesting that eight years after Jim Morrison's death, it would appear in Apocalypse Now. You know, Francis Ford Coppola had the rights to all the Doors songs, and he only used one. That was the deal that the surviving Doors made with Francis Ford Coppola. And they were, they were astounded. And at the same time, two of the remaining Doors, the surviving Doors, Robbie Krieger and John Densmore were interviewed by Dan Rather about that and how the guys in Vietnam really got the doors because of the darkness because of there's also a playfulness to the sound with Ray Manzarek's keyboards but at the heart of it is Jim Morrison's lyrics and his voice and I thought if we can find ah perfect So then if we just play the isolated vocals. And I'm looking. Here we go. Okay. Because I'm looking for the moment that really solidified the 60s through these lyrics his lyrics were oh I love it this is this is probably one of my favorite moments more so than the Oedipus complex and all the children 
masterful moment of the end those lyrics saying he's basically talking about the love generation the hippies and how they were just not having it because they had done their homework shall you say these were all college educated people okay ray manzarek and jim morrison who were both at UCLA to study film. In fact, they ended up making small films for the videos of the songs, such as Unknown Soldier, which is such a powerful moment. But 50 years ago, I wasn't alive, but 50 years ago, the Doors, the doors had gone through so many sea changes. There was, their tour was canceled, Jim and... Um, Supposedly, he they accused him of exposing himself on stage. <laughs> they took out warrants for him. This is all documented in when you're when you're strange. The documentary on the doors, nomin- or narrated by Johnny Depp. Yeah, because the surviving doors wanted to make an honest piece about their band and about Jim, because Oliver Stone had done the movie The Doors with Val Kilmer as the Lizard King, Jim Morrison. And even I hated that movie. I mean, it's bad enough you got Meg Ryan covering her boob, but back in the 60s, you didn't do that. You didn't do that. So there's a lot of BS in the film that I hate. And I know that the Surviving Doors hated it as well. 50 years later, we are still talking, listening to Jim Morrison. Morrison was well known for improvising spoken word poetry passages while the bland played live. Manzarek said Morrison embodied hippie counterculture rebellion. Okay. Jim Morrison. James Douglas Morrison, born on December 8th, 1943 in Melbourne, Florida made his way to Los Angeles and became the Lizard King, Mr. Mojo Rising, went to Florida State University and UCLA occupation, musician poet, director actor he had done student short films and you know this is a film podcast the Dr. Zeus film podcast and he later just went into music. Okay, here we go. In the middle of 1965, after graduating with a bachelor's degree from the UCLA Film School, Morrison led a bohemian lifestyle in Venice Beach, living on the rooftop of a building inhabited by his old UCLA cinematography friend, Dennis Jacobs. He wrote the lyrics of many of the early songs The Doors would later perform live and record on albums, such as Moonlight Drive and Hello, I Love You. 
According to Manzarek, he lived on canned beans and LSD for several months. Morrison and fellow UCLA student Ray Manzarek were the first two members of The Doors, forming the group during that summer. They had met months earlier as cinematography students. The story claims that Manzarek was laying on the beach in Venice one day when he accidentally encountered Morrison. He was impressed with Morrison's poetic lyrics, claiming that they were the rock group material. Subsequently, guitarist Robbie Krieger and drummer John Densmore joined. Krieger auditioned at Densmore's recommendation and then added to the lineup. All three musicians shared a common interest in the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi's meditation practices at the time. Attending the scheduled classes, but Morrison was not involved in these series of classes. The Doors took their name from the title of Aldous Huxley's book, The Doors of Perception, a reference to the unlocking of the doors of perception through psychedelic drug use. Huxley's own title was a quotation from William Blake's The Marriage of Heaven and Hell, in which Blake wrote, if the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to man as it is infinite. Although Morrison was known as a lyricist of the group, Krieger also made contributions lyrically, writing or co-writing some of the group's biggest hits, including Light My Fire, Love Me Two Times, Love Her Madly, and Touch Me, which I've always heard from stories that was originally going to be called Fuck Me. But back then in the 60s, you couldn't say that, okay? Unless you were Richard Pryor or George Carlin putting it on a comedy record. Musicians couldn't say that. In fact, there was a band that loved the Doors known as the MC5 who got cut down because their song, Kick Out the Jams, opened with an intro called Kick Out the Jams, Motherfuckers! And then it w- goes into the song. It was very 60s counterculture. But at the heart of this story is Jim Morrison. This poet, this madman, this William Blake. I mean, he loved Rambo. He loved, you know, in terms of his good friend, Michael, Mac- uh, Michael McClure, may he rest in peace, talked about how when you, when you read the lyrics to Break On Through to the Other Side... Obviously, Jim loves prudence and the excesses to the palace of wisdom. You know, Jim Morrison believed that he was, well, he didn't believe, but he would jokingly tell people that he was Dionysus. Dionysus. He was an interesting mixture of a human being. And you saw that on stage, you see that through the footage. And then, toward the end of the 1960s, he grew a beard and changed, like all people. And it's in the music. And at the heart of it, that's what we're here for. We're here for the music. And if he were alive today, he'd be making films, motherfuckers. He would be making films. This man, the true renaissance man. True, truly. And this is, here we go, from the final album, L.A. Woman, released in 
Isn't that amazing? You know, years later, Blondie, they put that in a remix of Rapture. I think it was called Rapture Riders. Now, toward the end, like I said, Jim Morrison went through a sea change. We all go through sea change. You put on a lot of weight eating a lot. Well, um, you know, that's something that's, that really bothers me. What's wrong with being fat? That's what I want to know. Why is there such... I didn't say there was anything wrong with it. Why is it so onerous to be fat? Um, I don't see anything wrong with fat. I felt like a tank, you know? I felt like a like a, a large mammal, a big beast. When I move through the corridors or across the lawn, I just feel like uh, I could knock anybody out of my way, you know? I was solid, man. Terrible to be thin and wispy because, you know, you could you get knocked over by a, a, a strong wind or something, you know? And that was a Howard Smith interview done in November of 1969, two years before his death. And even his friend and co-conspirator, Ray Manz... I loved Ray Manzarek. I loved all of the doors. And that was the thing back then is you didn't make a solo album because without those other three guys, we wouldn't have the doors. The doors of perception. You had the voice. You have the guitar. You had the bass. Not really. You had the organ bass, but you had a bass player who was added. Here's Raymond Zarek talking about Jim Morrison. What can only be called mysterious circumstances. We don't know what uh, what happened to Jim in Paris, and um, I don't think we're ever going to know what happened to Jim in Paris. And uh, the last time I saw Jim was uh, in the recording studio when we were doing uh, finishing up uh, the album L.A. Woman. And that's actually the last time uh, Jim Morrison was in a recording studio, the last time he ever sang, to my knowledge, uh, on planet Earth. Certainly the last time he ever sang with the Doors. But the last recording session, the last time Jim Morrison ever sang with the Doors was that haunted little whisper voice of uh, Riders on the Storm on the L.A. Woman album. And after he did that, he said, uh, I'm going to Paris. I said, whoa, what a good idea, man. I thought it was an excellent idea. He said, you guys, he said, we're, we're close to being finished here. We've got most of the mixes done. We only got a couple more songs to mix. Everything sounds great. Why don't you guys just go ahead and finish up? And that was kind of unusual, too, because Jim would always be around. He wouldn't, he wouldn't leave. I mean, you know, he wouldn't be there for all the mixing, but he'd certainly come in to listen to the final mixes, the final takes, and the final mix, and to hear the final album. So for Jim to actually leave before he heard the entire finished album was very unusual. And I should have realized something was up at that time. But he said, go ahead and finish it up. You know, you get two or three songs. Everything sounds great, man. I'm leaving tomorrow for Paris. 
Pam's already over there. She's got a little apartment and got it all set up. She left a couple of weeks before me, and uh, I'm going to join her over there in Paris. We said, well, that's interesting. Yeah, Paris, huh? How long are you going to be over there? He said, you know, I don't know. A couple of months? Six months? I don't know. Maybe, maybe even a year. Who knows, man? I don't know. And I said, you know, that's a good idea, dude, because we had finished our Electra contract. We had done delivered the requisite amount of recordings to Electra Records. Our contract was concluded, and we were now a free and clear band to re-sign with Electra if we wanted to sign with another record company, to do whatever we wanted, or do nothing, you know, to take a long break and just think about man, God, existence, and life. And we had a little bit of money in the bank from the record sales, so we were free to do anything we wanted. So Jim was going to go to Paris. And I said, that's a great idea, actually. Get away from your drinking buddies. Get away from the bad companions and the hangers-on that were always glomming on to Jim and taking him to the bar. And Jim was always paying, and he would wine and dine these sort of near-do-well friends of his, quote-unquote, friends. And they were just sucking up his energy and sucking his vital essence and keeping him away from being a poet. He would sit in the bar and talk all his energy away, you know? He wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't be home writing. I mean, what he should have been doing was writing instead of talking it out and staggering in way past the midnight hour, far too late. And Pam was always mad at him because he was always running around and getting drunk with his friends. And so Pam and Jim had a stormy relationship. And I think to make things up with her, he was going to go to Paris with her. Why they had picked Paris, I have no idea. They, could, they should have gone to London. It would have been a lot better. And, but they went to Paris for some reason or another. But I thought, that's great. Paris is great because that's the city of light, the city of artists, an American in Paris, uh, Hemingway and Fitzgerald and Henry Miller. And man, that's just get, get away from all of this L.A. stuff and this whole rock and roll thing and become a poet again. Become the guy that I knew back in Venice, the guy that I knew in uh, film school at UCLA, the writer, the artist. The good guy, the good human being, the funny human being, the intelligent, sensitive, energized young man that I knew back in Venice. And I thought, this is going to be great. Go to Paris and do it, man. Start to write again. Start to become an artist. Just be an artist again. Don't be a rock star. Be an artist. And off he went. And he said, I'll see you, brother. And I said, okay, man. You know, just uh, stay in touch and uh, we'll talk to you in a while. He went off to Paris and, um, you know, we didn't hear anything from Jim one way or the other for about a month and a half, two months. Record had come out. L.A. Woman was doing great. People say, the doors are back. The critics said, the doors are back with their intensity and power once again. And critics loved it. And the sales were doing very nicely. And Lover Madly was a hit single. So he had a hit single on an album that had some great long songs, Riders on the Storm and L.A. Woman and like that. And uh, Jim called John Densmore and asked John how the record's doing. And John said, oh, man, it's doing great. You know, it's racing up the charts and people love it. And Jim said, oh, it's terrific, man. He said, man, as soon as I get back, we got to go on the road. I want to play those songs live, you know. I mean, we never got to play those songs live. John said to him, exactly, man. Boy, I'd love to play L.A. Woman and Riders on the Storm. We could take a bass player with us. And Jim said, yeah, why don't we take that guy that played with us, that Jerry Chef guy, man. We'll take him on the road with us. And John said, yeah, that's a great. We'll take him. Maybe we'll take the guitar player. Maybe not. Maybe we'll get some other guitar player. At least take the bass player along. And Morrison said, boy, I can't wait to play those songs. As soon as I get back, man, let's book a little tour. What do you say? And John said, okay, man, when are you coming back? And Jim said, I don't know. You know, I'm having a pretty good time. You know, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be here for a while yet. And John said, okay, man, well, you know, 
next time I talk to you, you know, stay cool, enjoy yourself. And that was like in the middle, early June. That was early June. And then by July 3rd, that was it, man. And that is Ray Manzarek talking about the last time he hung out with Jim. And uh, it's sad. It's sad. And here we go. This is Robbie Krieger and John Densmore talking to Dan Rather. John Densmore. I wanted to switch it up. You know, and then Robbie Krieger. Robbie Robbie Krieger loved Jim. And you can hear in their voices uh, what an effect the death of Jim had on them. Oh, here we go. This is beautiful. To honor Jim Morrison on this day. The fact that he's been gone 50 years and he died at 27. He's floating around somewhere and he's guaranteeing that we all listen to the doors and we celebrate the sound that he he created with his compadres. Your greatest memories of Jim. For me, it's like before we really made it or anything when we were just working out the songs and, uh, you know, he stayed at my house for about a month. Ray was so great for the 
around because he was older. You know, he was about eight years older than us. And, um, you know, he kind of kept every everything on a level plane. In December of, 19, of 2003, Ray and Bobby went to visit Jim's grave in the Pierre Langesi Paris. I can't even say it. And there is a video of them visiting. Here we go. ago and here's Jim Morrison discuss, discussing death well I guess that great creative burst of energy that happened three or four years ago was hard to sustain and for sensitive people I guess uh, dissatisfied with anything except, you know, the heights, and uh, when reality stops fulfilling their inner vision, I guess they get depressed, but that, that's, that's not my theory on why people die, you know, what is they are, <laughs> sometimes it's a, it could be an accident, sometimes it could be suicide, sometimes it could be murder. There are a lot of ways people die. I don't really know. How do you think of it? I hope at about age uh, 120, with a sense of humor and a nice, comfortable bed. With <laughs> no, I wouldn't want anybody around. I just want to quietly drift off. I think. Uh, I think science has a chance in our lifetime to conquer death. I think it's very possible. Well, if it did, what would happen to the spirit world? Well, they just have to fend for themselves. Leave us poor immortals alone. That's funny. Uh, this was Jim Morrison discussing the deaths of Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin in October of 1971 with Sally Stevenson. 
And sadly, a year later, almost a year, he would be gone, joining the spirit world himself. As a Doors aficionado, I don't like to say fan. I have immersed myself within the music. I used to have a blacklight poster of Jim Morrison. I would look at it at night and go to sleep. I would wink at Jim and go to sleep. And I love the music. And I still love the music. And people can say what they want about the music. You know, I my parents played the Doors, or the Beatles, and, the, and, and I got into the Stones. But for me, the Doors were my band. They were my band. I've never heard another band like them. My favorite bands, of course, are Tool and Gojara and Deftones and the Doors. The Doors were timeless. Their music still resonates today. And the voice of Jim Morrison... I relate to he was he was such a wicked comedian and I relate to that Sagittarius power right there and so this is us 50 years later talking about Jim Morrison celebrating him giving honor to the voice the poet who was a muse for so many and wherever he is in the spirit world. I, I, you know, I felt really good today going for a drive and just listening to the doors. When the songs come on and you hear that voice, it hits you. The power, the magic. The, the doors were a magical band. No other band can do that. Okay. So, I am going to end this with a quote by Jim Morrison because this is all about Jim this quirky eccentric esoteric I mean he this man was a renaissance man here we go I am the lizard king I can do anything where's your will to be weird Death makes angels of us all and gives us wings where we had soldiers smooth as raven claws. No one here gets out alive. <laughs> Those are just some of them. I'm looking for one. Here's one right here. The most important kind of freedom is to be what you really are. You trade in your reality for a role. You trade in your sense for an act. You give up your ability to feel and in exchange put on a mask. There can't be any large scale revolution until there is a personal revolution. On an individual level, it's got to happen inside first. Jim Morrison. As always, thank you, Jim. Thank you for the music. Thank you for your wild love and unpleasant dreams.